Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. I got to get closer to y'all. Y'all look good this morning, so I got to get closer to you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, my, you look marvelous this morning. Just look marvelous. Look at you. Hey, look at you. Right. Thank you, God. Wasn't the, wasn't the worship awesome this morning? Come on, let's just God, give God the glory. Amen. It's just awesome. You guys always do great. Awakening Church is a uh, church of worship. It's passion. It's presence. It's intercession. It's amazing. And we give God the glory. Look, before I get going, I uh, felt like this morning that I want to do something right at the beginning. What Holy Spirit is doing in not just Kentucky, but the nation, what God's doing in our lives is not something that we have to strive and labor and work to come into. We just simply have to receive what he's doing. Our nature is to feel like we, we've come up deficient, that we're in a delay. And the enemy sometimes wants us to be disappointed because we feel as though maybe if I had done this or if I had done that or if I could do this or if I could do that, maybe the situation would be different. And that's not to minimize the power of our choices. But this morning during worship, I heard the Lord say, and I really felt like it was for Louisville and for Awakening Church, but I'm telling you, I took up my journal and began to write just because I heard the Lord say this morning that I have one who's fighting for you. And I immediately felt like that the Holy Spirit is releasing angel armies, angels of strategy, angels of kingdom revelation to bring about an assistance in our lives to bring us into the fullness of what God has for us. Look, we are in a measure of what God has for us, but there is more to come. And the Spirit of the Lord wants to bring that and release that in our lives, our families, our marriages, our churches, our communities. And we need to see, <coughs> we need to see a fresh resolve in the hearts of the people of God to just simply unreservedly and intentionally say, God, here I am. I lay down every delay. I lay down every disappointment. I lay down every discouragement. I lay down every distraction. And I just say, God, here I am. It's almost as though sometimes we run across the finish line and we're exhausted. You ever seen somebody running a race and, and, and they run all a strong all the way to the finish line and then they collapse. Then they lay on the ground but they were strong to the finish line. And I feel like that the Lord is wanting to release strength, <coughs> strength and hope in this season. And that there's a mighty move of God coming to our lives, coming to our hearts, coming to our families. And what God is doing in the earth, he's increasing and he's expanding that. And so we just give him glory. Thank you so much, Charlotte. <coughs> So I tell you what I want us to do. I want us to just all stand together for a minute. And I just want to, I just want to tell you this morning that the Lord has one fighting for you. The Lord has one fighting for you. 
if we're not careful, we fall into this mode where we feel like that we're always having to fight. We're always having to strive. We're always having to struggle. We're always having to labor to come into something of favor. God wants to release in our lives today something by favor, not by labor. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, would you just take the hand of the person next to you right now? Father, we bless you in this house. We bless you in this neighborhood. We bless you in this community. We bless you in Louisville, Father. We bless you in Kentucky. God, we bless you right where we are. And we thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in the lives of these men and women and their families. God, we thank you for the awesome privilege to be back with them. And we love this house and we love uh, Rebecca and Ryan. We love their family, God. We love these leaders. Father, they have become like family to us and we thank you, Father. So I break off every sense, God, over this ministry and over the, over the church of Louisville and Kentucky. God, I break every sense that we have to labor to come into the fullness of what you've provided for us by your favor. So Lord, we just thank you for one that is fighting for us. And Lord, we're going to run the race and we're going to finish the course. And we, we may lay on the ground when we cross the finish line, but right now we're going to cross the finish line. And we're going to believe God that you have a great outpouring of your Holy Spirit for every individual in this room. And God, that you're going to release miracles and healing. God, that you're going to release hope. God, that you're going to break off all a sense of, of a deferment or a delay. And that God, you're going to bring into the fullness in this house, in this ministry, in this community, the manifest glory of God. And we thank you, Father, for that. We give you glory for that. We give you honor for that, Lord. We thank you for this beautiful time of worship. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Turn and give somebody a high five and take your seat. Thank you guys so much. And uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time together. And uh, I, I don't know. I appreciate what Pastor Ryan said about just kind of do what you do, which frees me up to do what I do, uh, which most of the time I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> But you all know that. You all have learned that by now. And, uh, but we're really excited. Listen, let me tell you something. You all have expanded the place since I was last here. Um, the floors are different. You got basketball goals. You got a balcony wrapped all the way around. And, 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 and I walked into this place and I was just kind of looking around, taking it all in. And, and, but you know, sometimes we come into a place and we, we look at it first. And I, and I know it's natural to do so. But we come into a place and we first view it uh, in the natural. And what we view in the natural, we judge by the natural mind or understanding. But when you come in this place, and you begin to get into worship, suddenly you begin to realize that you discern by, by Holy Spirit the place and the discernment by the Spirit of God for a place is different than the judgment of the natural eye concerning a place. And all I'm telling you this morning is during, this, during worship, I felt like the Lord said, I've got one who's fighting for you. 
And I really believe with all of my heart that where you are right now and what's going on in your life is absolutely not a mistake, that the Spirit of God is sovereignly positioning us in His timing. I even felt like in worship that I could see like a cocoon. It was like a, it was like a, a metamorphosis was in the midst of happening, but if we're not careful, we miss it because we feel like we're all wrapped up in the moment moment and we really aren't rightly discerning the movement that we're in. And so even the even the change and the setting up and the breaking down and the setting up and the breaking down and all of that that can be a that can be a laborious that can be a difficult challenge and it's always easier if all hands are on deck. So I, I just tell you you'll get more out of Sunday morning if you do a little something to be a part of that process. Amen. I'm, I'm I'm not signing up volunteers unless we need volunteers and then we'll sign up volunteers. But, but, uh, but, but God has got us in this amazing moment and, and I give God the glory. And so I just want you, I, I want you to know for me, uh, it, it, I, I want to, I want to tell you this. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I feel like by, by the Holy Spirit, I'm more excited about where you are right now than any other time I've ever been with you before. I decided I wasn't going to say another word until somebody said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you got me covered. Keep it up, man. I mean, throw out a thank you, Jesus, every now and then. It'll be just fine. But because I'm telling you, God knows how to, God knows how to, God knows how to wrap up. Uh, let me just go here. Can I, okay, now it's time to just go do my thing, right? Uh, so, so here, here, here's the deal. Um, the year was 1917. The guy's name was Frederick Lehman. Probably don't know him, uh, but but when he was a little boy, he's 11 years old, and 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 when he grew up in a Christian with a Christian mom and dad, he, he grew up, and by the time he was 11 years old, he really began to question the reality of the God that his mother and father led him in the place of worship to. But one day when he was 11 years old, he was out in an apple orchard. He, he spent much of his life around an apple orchard. His father had a beautiful orchard. He would end up spending his life working in a packing facilities. And he spent most of his life packing oranges and apples in crates that they might be distributed all over the country. And so uh, he, he was never a man of great prestige. He was never, he, he wasn't a boy that was raised in a home of of, of of great prosperity, but it was a blessed home and it was a Christian home. And when he was 11 years old, God captured his heart in a way that he would never be the same after that. He was praying in his father's orchard. He'd really gone out to the orchard to say, God, if you're real, would you reveal yourself to me? And suddenly in the midst of the apple orchard, he began to have this incredible encounter with God. How many of you all know that we could sit through 10,000 sermons and maybe never be uh, substantially changed or transformed? We are so information overloaded that if we're not careful, we sit and it comes in and it goes out without impacting anything between, you know, those few inches of our head between one ear and out the other. But when we truly encounter him, 
something begins to unlock. One of the things I continue to feel strongly about this morning, that there is, there is, there are men and women in this room today, and I believe at the core of Awakening Church, there is a seed that is planted by the Spirit of God that has yet to germinate, and it has yet to come into the fruition of what God has fully designed it to be. Here's what I believe. I believe there's a seed in you. And so this man, Frederick, as a boy, 11 years old, he begins to feel like that this orchard is full of angels. And he begins to feel like that, that the, 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 this weirdness as an 11 year old boy of the presence of God had suddenly enveloped him. And he found himself in this amazing moment. As a matter of fact, his father seeing the boy standing in the orchard quickly became alarmed because the Lord allowed the father at the house to look out out to the orchard, see his son standing in the middle of the orchard with his hands raised and his face lifted up and he's standing there and suddenly the father recorded with his own words that he began to see the, the trees in the apple orchard begin to become illuminated with its incredible glory of God. And the father went running out there that he might come, that he might come into the expression of the encounter that the son was experiencing. Now watch this. So what happens with Frederick? He ends up spending his life writing songs singing. He was a better writer than he was a singer, but he began to write songs. He began to write hymns. He wrote many hymns that you sing. You didn't even realize that he would have been the one that would write them. Deep from deep down within him, God put a seed God put a seed of revelation that as he began to, as he began to discover who he was, he began to realize that there was a potential that laid on the inside of him that he never had really tapped into before. Can I tell you something? There's, there's a seed that is within you that can only be germinated by an encounter with God. And when that seed is germinated by the Holy Spirit, he's going to begin to produce something in our lives and through our lives, the likes of which I don't think we've ever seen before. So he begins to write these hymns and he writes them and he writes them. And it was in 1917 when he heard a sermon one day on the love of God. And he was so impacted that evening by the sermon that he could not get it out of his mind. He goes home, he tries to go to bed, he stays up late. Some of y'all are Googling Frederick Lehman right now. <laughs> but watch this, he goes to bed that night, he couldn't get the sermon out of his mind. He couldn't get it off of his mind. So he tries to go to bed, he finally goes to sleep. He wakes up at 3 a.m. with this rhythm in his head and these words flowing from his heart. And, and, and so he got up and he began to pin the words to a song. It's a song most of you have sung, though we didn't know where it came from. There was a treasure on the inside of Frederick Lehman. There was a treasure on the inside of him that had to be birthed by the Spirit of God. Can I, can I tell you this morning? There's something inside of you that will only be birthed by the Spirit of God. 
God's for you, not against you. He's got one fighting for you. And he desires to take the treasure of the seed that he put within you and bring it to fruition so that you can become all that God created you to become. Not that you might become like me or Pastor Ryan or Rebecca or anybody else, but that you might become who God made you uniquely to become. So he writes the words, gets up, and he begins to hum it and put the rhythm down, begins to get the idea. He begins to put it in the meter. It, begin to, it just begins to flow. And he wrote two verses and a, and, a, and a stanza. It's a stanza, of course. I don't even know. But he began to write two verses and the stanza or the chorus. And he had it, he felt like, complete. But in his time, in, in, in uh, 1917, for him to be complete, it had to have three verses. And if you ever grew up in the church that I grew up in, you had to sing all of them. You can't leave a verse out. It's just something about it. I don't even really understand it, but you just got to sing every verse, you know? And so he, he could not for the life of him come up with a third verse. He struggled, he wrote, he thought, he prayed. He could not come up with it. He didn't know where in the world he was going to get. He didn't know where he was going to get the third verse. And without it, he knew his song would be incomplete. He wouldn't even sing it to others or share it with others because the song was incomplete. It was incomplete until he read a story. He read a story about a prison. And in this prison, it was a German prison. And inside of this prison, there was a man who was subject in the imprisonment to the insane asylum portion of the prison. And the man, the prisoner, died in prison. His name was Albert, by the way. He died in prison. And when he died in the insane asylum wing of the prison, they go to clean out his room. And when they cleaned out his small uh, room in the prison, they begin to discover written on the words, written on the wall, that this insane prisoner had scribed these words on the wall of the prison. And they begin to look at that. And thankfully, somebody had the foresight to write those words down. And when they wrote them down, they begin to realize that these words, now check this out, this is amazing to me. When they begin to read the words and research the words, they begin to realize that the prisoner was not the one who originally wrote the words at all. As a matter of fact, come to find out, think about this. Some 900 years earlier, a Jewish monk who spoke Aramaic and Hebrew in Germany begins to have a revelation of God and he begins to pen this poem that was called the Habamut. And he began to write this poem. Now we're talking about the year 1050. <laughs> A monk, by revelation of the Holy Spirit, begins to pin some words in the moment of revelation. But watch this. The monk never would realize in his lifetime, ever, the significance of those words. What happened to those words that he wrote? Somewhere along the line, those words had been preserved as seed in the soil, as revelation in the heart, and it had been carried down. His words carried down generation after generation, hundred years after hundred years after hundred years. 
until 900 years later, a man in an insane asylum had come across these words and before his death, he wrote them on the wall, only allowing for those words then to come to Frederick Lehman. And what was amazing, what was amazing, some say miraculous, what was amazing is that the words fit perfectly for his third verse. The phrasing of it, the emphasis of it, the metering of the words, and Frederick Lehman knew he had his third verse. But the third verse had been hidden from him. His third verse had been birthed in the heart of a monk who spoke, Arabic, uh, who spoke Aramaic and Hebrew in Germany. Lehman, by the way, was, a, was an immigrant to America from Germany. And he began to realize that this monk had written these words 900 years before. Isn't that amazing? Can I ask you, what is the possibility that your father, your mother, your grandfather, your grandmother, what, what is the possibility that there's been a total stranger somewhere preach a sermon over Louisville, preach a sermon over this neighborhood that you have no knowledge of? What if there's a possibility that somewhere there's revelation that's laying dormant as seed in your life and all that's waiting, all that's awaiting is for that moment designed by the providence of God to light a spark upon that seed and cause it to, and by the way, the, the, third, the third verse goes like this. Here's what the monk wrote in 1050, man. Here's what, here, here are the words. It took them 900 years to discover. Could we, we think the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. <sighs> you, know, you ever heard it? Probably not like I just did it. <laughs> but have you ever heard it? <laughs> the love of God. <laughs> right? Uh, I can't sing it. I wish I could. This, that whole verse right there was written 900 years earlier and it was just perfectly timed for the release. Can I tell you something? The days that in which we are living, God has sovereignly moved in the past that he might by his providence fulfill our purpose today. I'm not living in despair. I'm not living in disappointment. I'm not living discouraged. I'm living with absolute hope in my heart that God is about to do something amazing among us. And there, there, there's hidden seed that goes from generations previously. There, there, there are things tucked away in your heart. There are things that you're wanting to attempt. There are dreams that you have. There are businesses that you thought of. There are innovations that you've designed to create. There are things going 
going on in the side, on the inside of you that are gifts of God. And, and he's just waiting to begin to ignite them with this moment of explosive encounter with him. And our lives will radically be changed. I thought this morning, and I know, I know Ryan, and I may throw this in somewhere, I don't know, but, uh, but I just gotta go with this. <clears throat> During worship, I begin to think <clears throat> in the book of Acts, and, 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 and in Acts chapter six, and really if you look at about verse seven, you begin to discover that, that Stephen was about to give his first and only sermon. It's pretty amazing because uh, Stephen wasn't ready for all that God was going to do in his life. He, he thought he was just volunteering at the church. Thank God. <laughs> he thought he was just volunteering at the church to help feed the widow women. He thought he was just going to be waiting on some tables. He was going to fulfill the role of a deacon. He had no idea that he was about to become a martyr. Have you ever <laughs> volunteered to set up tables and ended up feeling like you were a martyr for some cause? Uh, nobody liked that in the house, I suppose. But, but, but here he was. And, 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 and if you read his story, man, he, he, he wasn't... He didn't understand that, that God had a bigger cause for him than what he was currently encountering. Sometimes we think our assignment is small, but when we begin to get into it, we begin to realize that seed that within you is going to produce a movement bigger than you. Come on, somebody. Listen, God has put no, God has put no small seed in you that when he brings it to bear, that it will not produce a fruit much larger than you. And God's doing that all over the country. I got a text early this morning. Last weekend, we had to make a, a, a second quick trip to uh, Illinois, where we were. I had to think for a moment. And we, we got in Illinois, and we were there a couple of months ago meeting with leaders, really trying trying to implement a strategy that we might see leaders come together in Illinois, that we might see the move of God in the nation expand beyond the realm of just what we are currently seeing into many more dimensions and cities and communities and states. So we went to to Illinois and we met with these leaders about maybe 200 of them a couple months ago and, and it was awesome and then they invited us to come back last week and so last weekend we were back in the St. Louis area across the river actually Collinsville Illinois and when we were there we were just strategically trying to bring leaders together and God began to release a word that he was about to move in the state of Illinois and we're like that's awesome well I'm not in Illinois. Illinois is not my responsibility. You understand what I'm saying? God gives to us a territory. He gives to us a responsibility. He gives to us an assigned area. And we're responsible within the boundaries of our assignment. But I knew, and they knew, we all knew, God's about to do something in Illinois. But the Illinois has shifted way liberal to the left. As a matter of fact, if you've been reading any of the news recently, it looks as though that, that Illinois might become indeed the extreme, uh, the extreme level side for many of the social issues that we're confronting. And yet this morning I get a text that the governor of Illinois 
contacted one of these leaders, a lady who is a powerful apostolic overseer and connector for the state of Illinois. The governor contacted her. She's speaking this morning on a Navajo reservation in Colorado. But the governor of her home state in Illinois contacted her today, wanted to know if he saw a picture she posted on her Facebook of the first appeal to heaven flag that I ever bought that is just almost in rags by now. And it, it's the one that's flown over about 10 state capitals. It flew over Arkansas, was the first capital. For the last year, it had been flying over Dover, Pennsylvania. And so it was, it, it, it's flag. And, and, and so, and, and, and when I was there two or three months ago, I felt like I was supposed to leave the flag in Illinois for a year. And so I gave it to her and I said, I'll be back in a year to get this. And and if you lose it, then I, 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 I can't even tell you what will happen to you, but, <clears throat> but you will probably just dis disappear. I don't really know. No. And so she took it and, and, and the, the hymn was all out of it and, and it just looks really faded and it's, it's worn and it's just the first one I ever bought when I had the dream. And, and so I, I, I gave it to her and she had posted some pictures of it on her Facebook. The governor saw one of those pictures and asked her if if she would permit the state of Illinois to repair the flag so that they could fly it over the state capital of Illinois. <laughs> right? So she texted me this morning. She said, do you mind if the state of Illinois repairs your flag so we can fly it over the capital at Springfield? I said, yeah, sure, it'd be great. It'd be great, right? Why? Can I tell you something? Do not be discouraged. Do not throw off the tendency that's in your spirit right now that's trying to choke out the seed that God is wanting to birth something. Can I tell you something? The birthing process is an ugly process. But at the end of the day, there's life where before there was not. There was expression, there's joy, there's destiny, there's generations locked up on the inside of us. And so I said, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, please repair the flag. You know, do that. Fly it over Springfield. Sp fly it right there. Just go ahead and fly it. And let me know when you're flying it, because I want to come, I want to take a picture of it flying over Illinois, right? But, but here's, here's the deal, man. What God is doing is no small thing. And, but you might say, well, in my neighborhood, at my work, in my cubicle, at my house, in my life, I'm not seeing very much. Can I tell you something right now? God is about to unlock the power of the seed that he, by the providence of God, planted at the heart of this ministry. And, and when, 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 when Stephen begins to preach, he begins to give this sermon, man. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. I mean, you know, we volunteer for God. We think, whoo, I'm going to wait tables. Praise God. I'm serving Jesus. I'm going to wait on some widow women. And then we get in there. Th think about this. In the early church, you had to be full of wisdom and the Holy Ghost to serve the widows in the house. 
Why? Because the assignment you sign, uh, sign up for is always larger than the assignment you understood when you came through the door. So you never know. You might be waiting tables one moment, and then the next moment you begin to realize, hey, 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 I, 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 it's, it's, it's my turn to stand before the Sanhedrin and give an account for what Jesus has done in my life. Suddenly, I'm not waiting tables. Suddenly, the mission, the vision, the dream, the heart has become larger than I, and that's where Stephen found himself. Isn't that crazy? So he finds himself there and he's speaking to the leaders of Israel and he begins to talk to them about their fathers and he begins to say to them, do you remember the time when God came, Genesis 17, do you remember the time when God came and he spoke to our father Abraham and he comes to Abraham and God says, Abraham, I need to talk to you. I want to talk to you. You know why this story came to my mind this morning? Because I really believe with all of my heart that God is a little bit frustrated that we've chosen to live so normally when he's created us for such supernatural things. I think sometimes if God gets belabored with us at all, it's probably over the fact that we've chosen the lesser path. The path that feels like I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not talented enough, I'm not connected, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, I don't have blah, 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 blah. I don't have anything. Rather than the path that says, God, here I am, I fully surrender to you. And if it's wait tables, I'll wait tables. If it's to serve the widows, I'll serve the widows. If it's to speak before the Sanhedrin, I'll speak before the Sanhedrin. But this morning, clearly, I heard, I had no idea when I came here, I'd be talking about Acts chapter six, but I heard the Lord say, I've got some people this morning that I really want to talk to. And Stephen said, remember when God, Elohim came to our father, Abraham, and he said to him, Genesis 17, I need to talk to you. And here he was, he's an old man for crying out loud. And God's about to introduce the newest thing in the, the history of the world to this old man. <laughs> okay, go ahead and look at me like it's no big deal. Wait till you're a hundred and God comes and says, you're going to have a baby. And you'll say, my God, it's a big one. It's a big one. I said, what are you talking about? And he comes to him and he begins to talk about, he begins to talk to Abraham about the seed that lays within him. Wow. And, and God begins to say, look, I'm going I'm to multiply you. Did, you. did you know with the sweep of a hand, God can multiply? <laughs> Come on, you hear what I'm saying? <clears throat> Hear my heart. I may not be where anybody is in this room this morning, but I'm telling you right now, if I'm not, then I've missed this really, really bad. Because I'm telling you right now, I feel like there's somebody here who's been settling for addition and a little bit every now and then, and I'll just take my little portion, and I don't have to have much, and I'm just going to get by, and I just speak poverty and gloom, and you know, I just it's just not all what I thought it would be. I'm just not where I thought it would be. It don't look like what we thought it looked like. It don't sound like what I thought it was sound like. I just really am discouraged. You know, I'm a little bit discouraged. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a little bit, I, you know, I feel a little bit, you know. So Abraham responds to the father, responds to God. Said, look, look, I'm an old man. Sarah's an old woman. You know what he really says? He said, look, look, 
it ain't working, honey. We ain't, I don't know what you're going to tell Sarah. She ain't going to be happy about this right here. I don't even know what to say to you. And Abraham's like, I don't have a son. It was so interesting to me that when God said something to Abraham about the power of the seed that was inside of him, immediately, watch this, what God had just said to him in the spirit, he immediately began to interpret in the natural. And he said, I don't have a son. And God said, I'm not talking to you about a son. I'm talking to you about a seed. As a matter of fact, and the seed that's in you is not for a son, but it's for a multitude as numerous as the stars in the sky. So don't talk to me about a son when I'm talking to you about generations. But see, here's the deal. Here's what we do, man. I know because I've been the worst. I'm guilty. You know, hands on the wall, frisk it out, baby. I'm done. I'm guilty. God says, Ricky, I'm going to do this in your life. And immediately I begin to interpret in every natural thing I can in my mind. And so I take out of the spirit what he just said to me and I've interpreted in the flesh. Rather than saying, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'll take it all. I'll take it all. I want it every bit. I want Louisville to be the city most saved. I want it to be that. And I don't know whether y'all know it or not, but God has put you in a perfectly beautiful place in a wonderfully needed neighborhood. And he's given you about 10 times the ability to expand overnight. And I suspect you might just need it if you stop. bringing the seed from the spirit and making it, you got to shape it in this natural image. And you're like, you understand what I, you understand what I'm saying? Probably don't make any sense. Does it? I don't even know right now. I feel like I'm speaking French or something. I don't even know. I don't know how to speak French by the way, just in case you're wondering, I'm not that way. But anyway, here's the deal. Stephen says, God comes to Abraham and he said, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about the power of the seed that lies within you. And I'm going to take that seed and I'm going to multiply it. Can I tell you something this morning? If I've ever stood before people and felt like it is clear focused in my mind what God is saying. There's some of you all that are living in total frustration over your own spiritual walk because you are absolutely exhausting yourself trying to discern in the natural what God's saying to you in the spirit. And you need to stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. My mother, when we were kids, you know, moms tell their kids to stop it in all kinds of different ways. Yeah, I've seen those moms that you, you feel like they're about to explode. They're like a volcano. You can just, you can see from their toes coming all the way up. It just, they're just turning red and they, they just come up. And if they had a light on top of their head, it'd start circling. Go, and then they just say, stop it. Every kid in the house goes, right? Others are those moms like, darling, honey, please. 
would you please, baby, stop it, please, pretty please? That was my mother. My mother was more like a machine gun. <laughs> she'd you know, reach that place where she couldn't take no more, and she'd just go, stop it, 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 in order for God to produce exponential multiplication and increase in our life, we just have to stop. And that's allowing the Spirit of God to give to us a seed that we reduce down to a self-shaped image in the natural. And I'm telling you, Stephen said, our father said to Abraham, Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do this. And you know what happened? I love this. It's an amazing picture. God caused the seed in Abraham to come to life. Can I tell you something? Before the seed that's in you is ever going to produce a life outside of you, there's something on the inside of you that's got to come to life. And here's what the scripture says. The Spirit of God made something on the inside of Abraham come to life. And the moment it began to come to life, he got with his wife, Sarah. And, and the Bible in beautiful, wonderful language begins to let us know that the moment that, the moment that, the moment that his seed hit Sarah's Here's what happened. <laughs> the seed that was in him caused her body to immediately spring to life. And a woman way beyond her childbearing years began to birth a son upon whose destiny the whole world would hang. And part of the reason why your seed is not manifesting the fruit that you desired is because we've snuffed out the power of the seed by fear, doubt, unbelief, the traditions of men, the perspective of the flesh that says God can't do it for me, God can't do it now, and we stop. So Stephen said, God said to our father Abraham, I want to talk to you. And then Stephen said, you remember our father Joseph? God said to him, I want to use you. Wow. Let me, let me do that quick. Let me just say this. Joseph had been a problem all of his life for everyone except his father. And the favor of the father that rested upon young Joseph so grossly misinterpreted sometimes by his own behavior, grossly interpreted by those around him, he just always was a problem. 
the fact that Joseph was a problem is what caused him to be thrown into a pit by his own brothers. He was a problem. That is, watch this. He was the problem before he became the answer. And he was put in the pit because he was a problem. But there are some travelers going by for which he became the answer. And they paid for him to come out of his pit. That they might carry him into a foreign land. Why? Because his inherit the inheritance of his seed rested in a foreign soil. And so he goes to Egypt, he gets down there in Potiphar's house. He's the answer until he becomes the problem. Potiphar's wife, Joseph became the problem. As she was coming after him, he throws off his coat running away, but he ends up in the prison. Why? Because he's the problem. He's the problem before he becomes the answer. Because there's a king who has a dream he cannot interpret. And so the baker remembers a man in the prison who could interpret the dreams. So Joseph in a prison, because he's a problem, becomes the interpreter of dreams to the king. And so he becomes not only the interpreter of the dreams, but he becomes ruler and a command. Why? Because in all of the seasons of his life, God had sovereignly positioned him for this moment that he might preserve through the season of the bounty for the increased season of the barrenness. God had taken a man who had been a problem after problem after problem after problem until he became the answer and the answer and the answer and the answer and the answer because the power of the seed that lay within him. Can I tell you something this morning? I, there may be somebody here this morning, you feel like you've been the problem all your life. You've been the problem. Problem child, problem this, problem, problem, problem. Can I tell you something this morning? There's many examples of men and women in the Bible, ordinary men and women who were the problem before they became the answer. Could it be that those times in our life when we've been the problem, it's because we're the problem because that which is about to manifest through you is going to resound with the song of deliverance for a multitude around you. Could it be that, that people want to stop you because the hope that lies within you is going to be transformative to everybody around you? Could it, could it be? See, Daniel was a problem before he became the answer. Jesus was a problem till he became the answer. <laughs> so Stephen said, God said to Joseph, I want to use you. Can I tell you something, man? I, I, I thought tonight during worship, we've been in revival now in Paris, y'all know, since May 20th of last year. I'll be back over there tonight. I was there last night. And one night we were over there and the Spirit of the Lord showed me this image. I could see like hot oil that God was pouring into the marrow 
of somebody's bones. And I just told the church, I said, I, I just see the Spirit of the Lord pouring hot oil in the marrow of somebody's bones. And everybody in the church, I promise you, started pointing this way. And everybody started saying, it's Bobby Joe. It's Bobby Joe. It's Bobby Joe. I didn't know who Bobby Joe was. <laughs> Tell I looked over here and slumped down in her seat over here. It was a little lady, probably 105 pounds, maybe. She had a turban wrapped around her head, like a headband. She's wearing a full mask on her face. She slumped down. She was yellow. She's frail. She had stage four metastasized melanoma cancer. And they said, it's Bobby Joe. So we brought Bobby Joe up and we prayed for her. And God 100% got the documentation. I've seen the reports. The cancer was completely, 100% completely healed. <laughs> completely. <laughs> completely. And I tell you what I do. When I get to Paris tonight, I'm, I'm going to do a little thing with her on Facebook. I'm going to post it on my Facebook. If you want to go see it, I'll introduce her to Awakening Church so you can go see her and how God has radically changed her life. <sighs> God's not mad at us. He's not mad at you. He's just waiting for us to quit striving through the efforts of religion and come into the place of revelation and say, here I am, God, doing me what you want to do. It don't have to look like you think everything looked like for Abraham. And you think it looked like you think it looked exactly like they thought it would. Ah, uh, let's go ahead and say no. Right. It, it never does. Never does. Never does. One night in the service over there. It's an 18-year-old boy named Andrew. He looked like a, he was played football in high school and big old tall linebacker, broad-shouldered, big boy. And uh, he's sitting over there and all of a sudden one night when I got up to preach, it, it, you know, it, he just began to stand up. And when everybody else was sitting down, he, he couldn't. I didn't know Andrew from anybody. And then what I didn't know was that he had been diagnosed with a really rare form of lung cancer. He had four tumors in his chest between four and six inches long, each of them. Two of them they knew they could not operate on. This kid had been given a sentence of death in his life, and he knew that. But we were in that service tonight. that night. There was no prophetic word given. The sermon was not yet preached. Nobody anointed with oil and nobody put their hands on him. Nobody called it out in prayer. Nobody released a prophetic word. Nobody did anything other than the Spirit of God settled down in that place. And in the presence of the glory of God, miracles just begin to happen and healings just begin to happen. And the power of God came upon Andrew and he stood there not even knowing what was happening on the inside of him. He went to the doctor the next week. He was to have surgery. I had no idea of it. They went in there and they cut that boy's chest open laterally. And they got in there to take a sample of those tissues and they got in there and they could find no cancer. None. Now, I, I know, I know that's just a little Sunday morning thing like this. Uh-huh. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's nice, ain't it? Mm -hmm. Ain't that nice? 
You go ahead and let it be your baby. We see, we see what you said to her doing this or not. Go ahead and let it be your 18 year old. Go ahead and let it be your boy's chest ripped wide open. Go ahead and let it. Go ahead. Just go ahead. Go ahead and go ahead and get you some of that right there. Go ahead. I guarantee you right now, you ain't gonna show up and say, "Oh, that's pretty good. Wasn't that good? Honey, wasn't that good? Wasn't that nice?" What when in reality, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I saw Andrew a, a few nights later in the men's room. I was back. I said, "Andrew, what's going on with you?" man. And, and I said, Andrew, I said, are you telling me that they opened up your chest? He said, brother Rick said, my parents told me that when the doctor came in after the surgery, he came in the room where they were at, took them in a consultation room and he 10 minutes because he was so angry that every day he began to throw up these slides and he began to show them everything about what they had done. He was following protocol and he said it was there. And he said he, he felt so angry that he had opened up this kid's chest only to get in there and find nothing there at all. And he began to throw them up there. And he's frustrated, man. Why? Why? And we mope around as though God is restricted by what? You need to get over that pride, man, and die to that thing and say, you know what? God is about to do something in me and God's about to do something through me that you not even going to believe what's about to happen right there. Yes, and I told Andrew, I said, son, are you telling me they really opened up your chest? He took his shirt and this thing, I knew he threw that thing off and they're running across his chest was this scar. And the only thing bigger than the scar was the smile on his face. And I was over in the church. He goes to a church in Winchester. I was over there the other night and the other day and I was preaching in Winchester at the church where he's at. And I look back at the sound booth and Andrew never sat down. And the whole time I was preaching, he was back there and he was rocking like this, man. And he was had his hands up. You know why? Because one encounter, man, one encounter brought about the revelation of a holy sovereign God who did something amazing in him. Can I tell you something? It's not at all out here what you need to God to do for you. It's what is on the inside of us that's got to change. Yeah, yeah. 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 Come on. I wish I had better news for y'all. I don't even know what to say right now. Here I am wanting to run around this room and have a fit. Here, here like I'm, I'm, I'm Ricky about to run up them steps and run down through there and run all the way back around here and come down those steps and go back up and up and up. Why? Because I've seen it with my own eyes. And I'm telling you, America's greatest awakening lays ahead of her and not behind her. And I'm telling you right now, there's a move of God coming to Kentucky that will change the course of the land. I out here. The Spirit of God has said it. I believe it. You believe it. We believe it. And all over Kentucky, the power of God is moving in. Amen. All right, so we can just wrap this up. <laughs> I'm really, I think I'm done. Stephen finished by reminding them of their father, Moses. God comes to Moses and says, I want to send you. I want to send you. <laughs> Moses, born at the wrong time, born at the wrong place, hidden in the bulrushes because 
the slaughter of babies. But in in a season of slaughter, God preserved the deliverer. So some of y'all make excuses. Well, I was born at the wrong place, born the wrong this, born at the wrong time, born at the wrong family, born at the wrong blah, 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 blah. You need to forget about that right there. You were born at the right time, at the right place, to the right family, to the right city, to the right culture, to the right, you you was born right. Turn to your neighbor and say, I was born right. Go ahead and tell them. Tell them I was born right. I, I, I was born right. The enemy provides for us every possible excuse he can provide for us to cause us to choose the easy path and say, well, I can't do it. Just me. Okay, everybody get on your feet because we're going to release a revival at Awakening. We're going to release a revival in Louisville. Come on. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm telling you, man, I, I felt like this morning. You know what I You know what I did early this morning? I woke up early, went to bed late, woke up early. It just kind of seems to be my life anymore. I woke up this morning. You know who I had on my mind this morning early when I first woke up? It wasn't daylight outside yet, but I woke up and began to think about John G. Lake and how God had used him with so many miracles and healings. It's just totally ridiculous. And there's some keys to healing for his life and ministry, which was amazing. He raised up a generations of, of, of technicians trained for the purpose of healing. God, I don't even have time to go into all that. You know that. But one of the things that he taught so strongly in his ministry when he trained others, healing's not about your emotions. Healing's not about how you feel about a thing. Healing is about what he said about a thing. <laughs> and he was saying, you got to become aggressive in your spirit to say, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the disease is. I don't care what the answer is. I don't care. I know what he has said. And I'm going to believe God for total healing. And since before daylight this morning, I felt like the Lord said, I don't care what preachers say about revival or awakening or the coming harvest of God. I felt like I heard the Lord say, I don't care what they say. God, by the Holy Ghost, has breathed across nations and has won millions of people into the kingdom of God without the utterance of a preacher. So this morning I heard the Lord say, I don't care what, I don't care what they say. I'm coming. <laughs> Last time I checked, he ain't got to get nobody's permission to show up. 
somebody agree with me. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Y'all done left me now. It's like, if you think he's got he to gotta get somebody, you think he's got to go through the district superintendent? You think he got to show up and come through the general superintendent? You think he got to No, honey. No. This is his house. <laughs> And when daddy wants to come home, he ain't got to get nobody's permission to come through the door or crawl through the window or open up a new, he ain't got to have nobody's permission. And I'm telling you right now, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming to Louisville. He's coming to Awakening Church. Okay, here's what we're going to do, man. We're just going to pray together. We're just going to pray together. And we got plenty of room to do it. Woo! Come on, I'm serious. You need to turn around and look at this space. And you said, my God, you even lined up the chairs for the people to be sitting in up there. Come on. Come on, what are you seeing? What are you dreaming for, man? I felt a presence of angels this morning. I'm telling you, I believe that balcony is lined with angels that are waiting for assignment of the awakening church to release and partner with heaven for the invasion of heaven upon the earth. Break off that little thinking. Break off that doubt. Break off that fear. Who gives a rip what they say? Was that too strong? I didn't offend y'all, did I? Lord, if I'd offended you, be glad I didn't say what I really wanted to say. <laughs> Look here. Look here. This is my life. That's your life. You got one shot at it. You got one chance. Go ahead and live it in the prison house of other people's little thinking if you want. I don't mean we all got to. Live it if you choose, restrained by the chains of religion and fear and doubt and unbelief and judgment and criticism. Or throw those chains off and say, you know what? My God, this is my life. It is a treasure. It is an eternal thing. My friend, because you are a living soul today, you will always be a living soul. Eternity is real. We're living for a cause. We're living for a purpose, man. We're living for a reason, an exponential increase, an exponential outpouring, an exponential multiplication is about to fall upon this house because it's about to fall upon your heart. On the count of three, everybody will join us in prayer. Just come on up here. I don't care if you're saved. I don't care if you, you know, the old guy you say, he couldn't talk very plainly, preach. And every time he'd say, you need to get saved, it sounded to me like he, he, he said, you need to be shaved. I was like, okay, I'll be shaved. Well, my, I, I was telling these guys over here, one of my little grandbabies, I didn't show y'all a picture of my grandbabies, did they? Oh, honey, you know I will. I got 9,000 of them now on my phone. But they're now three, just turned three. Can you believe that? And one of them, little Elm, she cannot stand whiskers on her poppy's face. Every time she shows up, she's going to do a facial inspection on her poppy. 
The other day I shaved, you know, before I went over there just because I knew I was going to get that inspection by a three-year-old little girl. And I got over there and she started telling me I missed something right here. She said, Papa, you missed some whiskers right there. And I said, I'm going to knock you out, baby. <laughs> but every time she feels a little bit of whiskers, she'll say, no sugars for Poppy today. Who in God's name teaches those little girls to do that right there? I don't know, but I'd like to find out. Because something birthed up on the inside of that baby, and all I knew one day, she started doing this to me right here. No poppy, no sugar for poppy today. I'm like, you know what? Poppy will take you out right now. <laughs> I don't know the kind of world those babies are going to end up inheriting. I tell you one thing, I don't want those girls to grow up and someday say, my poppy didn't do anything. My poppy never tried. My poppy never spoke up. My poppy never prayed for me. My poppy never laid his hands on me. My poppy never prophesied over me. My poppy never dreamed the best for me. And I tell my babies every day, honey, you can do anything you want to do. You can become anything you want to be. They've got a father and they got a poppy who's warring over their lives. You know what? We've got a heavenly father that's warring over our lives and he's put around us a company of angels and he's beginning to say to me, look at me, I want to bring you into a new place. Everybody that'll join us in prayer, I don't know what's going to happen. Just come down here. Just come on down here. We're just going to pray together. I don't even care. Come up around here. We're just going to begin to pray supernatural outpouring of the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. Come on, just come up and gather in and just begin to pray. Open up your mouth. Say, oh God, touch me afresh this morning. Touch my heart afresh this morning. Kiss this place with a, with a joy of the Lord. Come on, somebody help me right now. Somebody help me right now. You may look at this place and you may you may touch it and you may say, I don't like the whiskers. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, release the fire of awakening over every heart, over every life. God, in the name of Jesus, rebirth the prayer altar at Awakening Church. Rebirth the prayer room. Put the fire of God back in the heart. God, I blow upon the embers. I blow upon the flames of our hearts. I say, God, right now, you are the head. You are the head. Awakening church, I say, you are the head and not the tail. You are the leader, not the follower. I say in the name of Jesus that the Spirit of God is releasing revival all over Kentucky, and he's releasing it in Louisville in the name of Jesus. So I pray right now that the seed that's on the inside of you would begin to receive right now the fiery baptism of the Holy Ghost that will cause that thing on the inside inside of you to begin to produce the fruit on the outside of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, release it now, 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 in the name of Jesus. Woo! 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 
are made for greatness. You were not made to be average. Go look in the mirror, man. Ma'am, go look in the mirror. He never made you to be average. He never made you to be normal. He created you to be supernatural. He created you to be everything he made you to be. There's a destiny. There's a dream. There's a future. God, release miracles and signs and wonders in this room in the name of Jesus. Whoa. Touch ankles, touch feet. God, put somebody's feet to dancing in this room right here in the name of Jesus. Touch joints. Touch vascular systems, arteries, veins. Open them up in the name of Jesus. We come against strokes and heart attacks. Put the seed, put the seed that's on the inside of you to work by the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you during worship, when this team was leading us, I heard the Lord say, I'm going to be like Stephen today. I heard the Lord say, I want you to be like Stephen today. Yeah. The assignment that I signed up for hadn't turned out anything like I thought it might. Woo! The people that I sure was going to run with me cannot be found. And people that I had never met have run into my life and said, we can do this. Come on, somebody. Stop wasting your time fretting over why they're no longer with you. Just put your face. Father, touch every heart in this room. Touch every life in the name of Jesus. Everybody put your hand right now on your head and begin to pray after me. Say, Father, right now, renew my mind. Restore my thinking. Release faith in my mind. Give me creative, innovative ideas. Inspire my thinking. Give me supernatural thinking. Give me the mind of Christ. Give me the mind of the Spirit. Let the Word of the Lord be effective in my mind. I break off in your mind right now all fear and doubt and unbelief in the name of Jesus. I break off every word curse that you still repeat in your mind that others have spoken over you. I say you are not dumb. I say you are not the last. I say you are beautiful. You are healed. You are whole. You are chosen. You are blessed. You are a supernatural son or daughter of the Most High God. Put your hand on your heart right now and say, God, Speak to my life. Change my heart. Change my life. Change me today. Change my body. Change my mind. Change my destiny. Woo! Give me the heart of a lion. Somebody be courageous enough to pray that. Give me the heart of a lion. Give me the heart of a lion. Why is the lion the king of the jungle? He's not the biggest. He's not the fastest. The 
lion's not the biggest in the jungle. There are many bigger than he. Why is the lion the king of the jungle? He's not the fastest. He's not the swiftest on his feet. So why is the lion the king of the jungle? He's not the most graceful. But the lion has a heart and a courage. Father, I release over this house right now the heart of a lion. I hear the Spirit of God say over Awakening Church, I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to release a roar in this house. He's going to release a roar in your life. Father, release revival in this ministry in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let their worship times become prolonged as the Spirit of God just begins to settle upon them. Let the prayer times become more strategic and intentional. God, let their services begin to be accompanied by an unusual presence of heaven. I know they're accompanied. They're used to the presence of God and the joy of heaven in their atmosphere. But I hear the Lord say, he's going to take it to another level. Release the glory of God. Release the glory of God. Everybody just put your hands up right now where you are. Just put your hands up and just say, Lord, I receive right now from you. We've been fed by the hand of man long enough. It's time you be fed by the hand of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, every hand that's raised, I release supernatural provision, anointing. Release the Spirit of God for, for the fire of God and the favor of God. Rest upon you, sir. Rest upon you, ma'am. As I look at you, I pray right now for the Spirit of God. Favor on your family. Favor on your family. Favor. Somebody's wife is in a trap. The Spirit of God says, I'm going to spring the trap this morning. I'm going to spring the trap. She's coming free. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. God, I don't know who that's for, but the Spirit of God said, I'm, I'm springing the trap. She's coming out. 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 There's somebody in this room that God has given you the mouth of an evangelist, but you've chosen to become silent in your season of speaking. You've chosen to become silent because you've been wounded and offended and hurt and disappointed. But the Spirit of God says, speak the gift or I will remove it from you and release it to another. Choose today who we will serve. Release the fire of evangelism and outreach and intercession over this city in the name of Jesus. Over this house, release it in the name of Jesus. Strategy for this neighborhood. Do not despise the neighborhood that you're in because the Spirit of God is going to birth a move of His Spirit right here in this neighborhood. Three blocks from here. Whew. I feel like the Spirit of God showed me three blocks from here. There's a woman that's got four children and she's broken at her bedside this morning crying out for somebody to care about her, somebody to reach out to her. The Spirit of God is going to bring that woman across the ministry of this church. She will stand in this room and give a testimony of her four kids and how she was broken and wounded at her bedside. And the Spirit of God came and accompanied her there and brought her to this house. And she's going to be healed and embraced and loved and changed. And the Spirit of God says, 
because his fire is going to rest upon her children and she's going to have a son who will become a mighty minister of God and will be used mightily in Louisville and in many other nations of the earth. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe what you're saying and we receive it by faith in the name of Jesus. So we put our hands up and we say today, God, I'll not be left out. I'm not going to be, I'm not turning you away another day. I refuse to stay where I've been. I refuse to think anymore about what I've been thinking about. It's time, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. Receive it, awakening church. Hear the word of the Lord. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.